It's still October, so we will continue the breast cancer awareness series. This horrible disease took up a chapter in our life book, and we're hoping that that's all the time and attention it ever gets to take. In this episode, Andy will talk about what it's like to care for someone going through cancer and the challenges that come alongside with being thrown into the main caregiver role. Just like the cancer patient, the caregiver has also joined a club they never asked to be in. The battle is theirs too, but they're the only ones who can see it through that side of the lens. That's a really tough question to answer, and I don't even really know where to begin with what that's like or what that journey was like for me. But without going into all of the details that we've already shared through our, in our previous podcasts, I, I think the only way that I can do this is kind of take people from the start and just throughout how things went for me. So keep in mind that you guys all heard the story about how we were buying and we, we had sold, we were, our house was for sale we sold our house and we were in the middle of buying a house and when this all happened. So up front, you know, that you've got, what do they say, the, the top four or five stressors in someone's life. I think we, we had two of them, right? Buying a house or moving, new job, um, in, in a serious health situation, right? So I can't remember what all the other ones are, but, uh, you know, at least buying, I mean, buying a house and selling a house, that's supposed to be a little bit exciting, um, not the health situation. That's not so exciting. So that's where we started, right? We were, we were in the, in the middle of a, the biggest financial transaction of your life. Uh, literally the day we found out we got our house, that the purchase offer was accepted. Uh, we found out that our life was going to be changed forever in another way. So that is essentially where my caregiving caregiver, uh, title sort of was cemented right then and there. And um, I'll tell you this story here too. So throughout this entire process, we saw all of our family and maybe even some of our friends that helped out on the day-to-day and on the, you know, in the nitty-gritty. Everybody had a time period where they had, I don't want to call it their breakdown, but they had their moments right whether whether when it, it you couldn't mask the emotions anymore you couldn't just plow through and and put everything else in, in the back seat you know you kind of got done with being on hyperdrive and you just kind of crashed and our family may not even know that we know because we didn't say hey you know I can tell you're falling apart now but we could tell and i say that to say this and i thank god for this part my moment, that's what we call it, you know, the moment where it was each person's turn to kind of freak out. Mine was pretty much right away. So the first two weeks of this was like, I don't know if you, I, I love movies. So uh, the movie Limitless with Bradley Cooper, right? He takes that pill and that pill makes him super smart and gives him these almost superhuman capabilities. But one of the side effects is he can't really, he loses track of time. Like time just kind of bounces forward and he's doing all of these things, and but he doesn't remember. He just finds himself sleeping in his bed one night and then he wakes up and he's like in downtown Manhattan, 
right? That's kind of like the way the first two to three weeks were for me. So I had this massive fight, the biggest financial transaction of your life um, with a family of four, four kids, six of us all together, trying to move and find a way to, finding a way to move, finding a way to pack. And not only that, but, you know, for those of you that have bought and sold houses, you know, you got to be really careful with your finances. You got you to be able to show proof for every single thing you purchase. Once that mortgage application goes through, you are being audited and monitored all the time for large transactions, for anything out of the ordinary. So what do we have in this country? We have, we have health care with high premiums, high copays, a lot of deductibles. So now I've got to find, you know, I have to find a way once all these, you know, because it's a flurry of activity. You get these doctors, all of a sudden you're going to more doctor's appointments than you can, you can even imagine. You're going for this, you're going for that. And I had a, we had a high deductible uh, policy at this time. So I had to find convenient ways or, or not shady ways, but I had to find ways to move money around without it showing on bank statements. Because the last thing I wanted is I wanted was, you know, I, the house is already sold. We had we were we, we had an offer in on another house, right? So I, I was going to be in a real bind here if I couldn't uh get these transactions to to, to come to fruition when they needed to. So all of these little things that, and that's, that piece isn't even something that hardly anybody knows about, but that stress right there, that was incomprehensible. The amount of pressure that, that, that I felt to make sure my family was going to be taken care of. I mean, forget a sickness aside, forget, forget a, a cancer diagnosis just that alone, and if everything is going wonderful in your life and in your job and there's no health issues, just that piece alone, you know, it's not just me and Sarah, it was us and four kids. We, I had to make sure that everything was on the up and up so that we could actually get to the finish line, get to closing, get that clear to close. You know, this isn't 2004 anymore. This was post, you know, financial crisis. Mortgages are really difficult. So that alone, now we have to, you know, how do I manage that plus start this, um, this journey towards whatever the heck it was going to be? All I knew is my wife had cancer and, and what am I going to do? So all of that, I, I completely cracked. The first two weeks, two to three weeks, even to this day are, are a total blur. I, I still have a hard time um, placing myself in like certain situations like the whole closing of the house is very blurry to me I don't really I still have a hard time um with with the sequence of events I, I there's no way I could I could it's just it's very blurry like I don't know you know I know it was highly traumatic time and I know pe- people that go through high periods of trauma say that they kind of block things out well I, I don't I'm not even trying to block things out I literally cannot remember a lot of things that took place in probably the first four to six weeks, but especially those first two to three weeks, I I just fell off the deep end. And I was trying to do everything I could. I felt this intense pressure and this rush that I had to make sure that my family was going to be all set 
in this new house, in this whatever I had to do. And that that was my time period where I completely lost it. And I know I know people are, you know, might be thinking, well, you know, you should have gone to God or the, you know what? I did do all that and I still completely freaked out. So, I mean, it was literally like that movie Limitless where I don't remember certain periods of time. So thankfully, thankfully, you know, God answers prayer and, and I, I started and I mean, I, I knew that I had to slow down, right? I had a couple of good slaps across the face, for, you know, so to speak, from some close family members that were like, hey, you know, get it together here. Um, you know, God definitely used a couple of strong personalities in this family to, to help get me a little bit straightened out and a little bit settled because it was not, (laughs) it was not doing good. But, um, so that's how it all started for me was like a total blur. And then I started to get into my groove, right? So you, you don't, there's no way to, nobody writes a manual on this, but there are a lot of resources out there on on how do you, what does it mean to be a caretaker for your wife, a caregiver for your wife going through this? And my goal in the beginning was, I need to know and I need to learn what she needs and, uh, and what I can do to be the best support system for her. Okay. And not only that, but there's four kids involved. So it was, how do I do that? and still be a father to four kids to, at the time, an 11 and a 13-year-old, right? Two boys who are in a pivotal time frame in their life. You know, I can't think of a time when, when, when sons need their father more than right, going right into puberty. And that was really, really on my mind, too. And the girls were young, um, and, and that was going to be a challenge, but... Family really, 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 really helped out, especially with the girls. You know, I knew, I remember having conversations with God saying, you know what, I need to be realistic with myself and with you here, God. I cannot possibly, it is physically impossible to do everything on a piece of paper that's that right where I feel like society says I should be doing X, Y, and Z. It's literally not possible. And be a full-time caregiver. And this was even before I took time off of work. This was this was basically during chemo and leading up into radiation. So that's this time frame I'm talking about. So I did though, I, I remember, you know, during periods of, of time at work where I would just be zoning out and I just I, I had zero ability to focus, I would be um just just asking God, you know, what do I do? How, what am I going to do here? How do I learn what, what, you know, what I'm supposed to be doing? I I need to understand how I can be the best support system possible and think, you know, thank goodness for the internet, because honestly, I, I, there was a lot of husbands out there that have gone through this before me and with kids. And I was able to find a lot of resources out there, uh, online that, Basically, kind of like what I'm doing on a podcast right now, they sort of did it in a big blog post. And um, and I remember reading a lot of these things, and a lot of them were, were older 
husbands, old, but their kids were grown and out of the house and, and thinking, gosh, this really sucks. I mean, this hit us. We're, we're so young. And, you know, my wife got this terrible diagnosis. And, and I remember thinking there is like nothing out there. There's nobody that has young family that were, were there. Like, why isn't there another guy out there, another husband that, that um, is sharing his story about how to take care of his wife and what he had to do and, and the trials and the victories? Um, and there really wasn't anything out there. So I take this episode pretty serious because I would have, I searched to the ends of the earth to find help and to find guidance on something to do. And I saw a shrink. I saw the, you know, the oncological shrink or whatever, and they help, you know, that's, they, they do help. They, you know, cause they do know the medical process and they know what, you can kind of expect during certain parts of the journey and things like that. And, and, and my friends, you know, I mean, I don't want to call them out by name because I don't want to forget anybody, but oh my gosh, the closest friends from church, you know, I would have those, those were the things that got me through and got me sort of going and having the energy to just keep putting one foot forward. And I, and I'll never forget one of the conversations that, that I had with one of my close friends, you know, I was, and this was pretty early on, and I was explaining to him, like, tell him about the mortgage stuff, tell him about the house stuff, and, and I'm like, how am I going to do this? H- how is this, like, how can I possibly go through this move? How am I going to move? Remember just flat out saying, how am I going to do this? And he just said, tomorrow you worry about tomorrow. Today, you look at what's in front of you and what do you have to do today? And that principle, for whatever reason, my personality really responds to that simple premise, that simple policy that says, tomorrow there's going to be, a, there's going to be, the sun will rise tomorrow. And I can only control what I can control in front of me today and make the decisions today based on what needs to be done today. And again, it reminds me of that movie, The Martian, which I've mentioned in this podcast before. I know I have when Matt Damon, he's the astronaut and he's got this unbelievable problem. He's got this problem that looks totally insurmountable. It cannot be fixed. It, he, he's going to basically die. But when you start, in, when, when you, if you look at a problem like the big elephant, how do you start tackling the problem? How do you eat the elephant one bite at a time? And that's all that I tried to do. I tried to look at things and say, okay, how can I be effective as a husband, as a caregiver, as a parent, (laughs) and as an employee? Um, And I knew eventually one of those things was going to break. And before, the one thing that I knew that I could safely break without causing any real harm was going to be being the employee. And by break, I mean... I knew it was going to come to a point to where I had to take time off of work because it just wasn't going to happen. There was no way I was going to be able to go through this and still work. So thankfully, family came together to long enough to where I was able to, I always work from home. I have been working from home full time for a couple of years, well before COVID. So um, I was able to continue to do that. I mean, I was working from chemo. I would go And with my computer, I'd sit next to Sarah through appointments and I would do conference calls. I would do my work 
my my IT work right next to her as she's getting chemo pumped through her veins right next to me. I'm sitting there working, trying to support the family still to the best of my ability. And then, um, you know, it, it really is just, I know I'm kind of all over the place on this podcast, but I don't really care because there's really no other way to do it. Um, this is a difficult one to record, but you know, when when you get married and you hear that, you know, in sickness and in health, it sounds so cliche, right? You've seen it in all of the movies. You've, you've half of our audience has probably said it themselves. Um, you really don't understand the gravity of that vow until you know the gravity of that vow, right? So there, you, you take this position and you take this, you know, very seriously, at least I did. I was, anything that had to do with me, any, any of my goals or my interests or my desires or my, you know, hobbies or anything like that, it had to take a back seat. It had to, everything had to be reprioritized. And I didn't have any, you know, there wasn't like I had some major imbalance before this at all but I but even you know just just every aspect of my life was now going to be solely based towards caring for my wife caring for Sarah and then somehow with that I had to make sure that I was still a father to these four kids and that was it was only by the grace of God that I was able to do this in the in the the as well as I, I, I hope that I, that I have done. Um, it, it's not easy and there's no, there's, there's no specific way I would say, you know, if somebody were to say to me, you know, my, come to me with a, a horrible story like this and, say, and, I, and ask me for advice, I would, I, I, would, I would tell them, you have to figure out the best way to do this for you. There is, there's, there's core principles involved there that I don't even, I mean, it's obvious, right? That, you know, being selfless, yeah, blah, 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 blah. We all know that stuff. I'm not going to go into that. But how you, I still to this day, it's hard for me to even kind of describe how I was able to do these things all and, and still have a job and still be functioning and still be standing throughout the past, you know, 18 months, whatever it's been. I mean, I know that it's God, right? That's why I that's why I can't really give you a specific way like how I did this because it was only out of my weakness that he was able to prevail. So I don't it's I don't have a formula. I don't have a specific uh method that I did things. I just kept my perspective very simple. I prayed, I kept my nose out of trouble. And I watched The Office. That's right. I watched a lot of The Office. I mean, they're, you know, we're human, right? So I, I, I needed an outlet. I needed an, a safe outlet at home where I didn't have to go anywhere. And I spent a lot of nights, a lot of nights watching The Office, making 2 a.m. runs to Taco Bell before they closed, um, you know, it took a physical, not the Taco Bell didn't take a physical toll, but this whole thing, it this was, I you know I, I, I can't underestimate or you know, understate 
how stressful it was and how, what that what that took on the entire family and um I mean I I lost I did not take good enough care of myself. I know that I didn't. I mean I lost I, I was the skinniest I ever was, lost thirty five pounds at one point. Um but it it's okay and it's a journey. Um and it I, I would just I would just say that I can't give any real specifics other than it's God because I didn't do it at all out of my own strength. It, it was if you if I wrote down on paper, you know, what how did I get how how do how do we appear to be somewhat together right now, you know, well pieced together and not not in shambles? I don't know. I really have no idea. Because I will go back in my mind sometimes in in the shower, you know, when I have my shower thoughts and I'll go back and think about all of the things that, you know, where we were when we started this with the whole, the whole stress of the, um, the, the mortgage and things like that. And I will, I, I, I am like astounded, like, how did, how, how did we, how am I standing? You know, how in the world am I still standing? And I don't know, um, it, but I do know because it's, it was it was it was God and, and you know it was through my own weakness my human weakness he was able to come through and say no I got you and that that's the only way that I that that is explainable because I don't have any idea how how he did it and how we continue to do it and how we continue to do it every day and every day because the journey's never over right so getting back to kind of more flow of the, the story here, I I ended up taking about two and a half months off of work. And that was over December when we had the big surgery because I knew that that was time. And in that time, in that time my goal was, as it was the whole time, was to be the best possible caregiver that I can be for Sarah to, to know how to support her and just to listen because I didn't know what I was doing. I was learning by, you know, trial by fire and I still had a household to try to run. But I really, really wanted to make sure that these kids did not fall off the radar, especially the boys because of their ages, 11 and 13 that is not the time for their father to go absent. So, you know, I God really, really supernaturally used the time that we had together. In that two and a half, three months where I was uh, off work, I took them to school every single day and picked them up, not every day, but picked them up quite a bit and took them to all their activities. So I, w- I made sure every single time we're in the car, we have some kind of an impactful conversation, something. And, and especially with, my, with the 14-year-old now, Ethan, I told him, you know, he, I, I was not going to make it fluffy. I mean, they're smart kids. Kids know what's going on. They know everything that's going on. And I was not going to patronize them by trying to tell them that things were, oh, they're just going to be okay. And, you know, you're doing a great, no, it was like I needed to be real with my boys because they needed to see that their father was not going to 
just lie to them and tell them things that weren't true because I, they needed to hear it. So I, I told Ethan, I told him that how much I appreciated how much that he was doing around here that he shouldn't have to do, that he had been dealt a crappy hand. There are, you know, I remember specifically telling him, you know, there's a lot of 13-year-olds that don't have to have the responsibility that you have right now. And I said, I, I don't know how long this is going to last. I'm learning as you are. But I told him how much I loved him, how much I appreciated him, and, and how much God was going to use this time of him being selfless and helping um, and, and for his, his journey and his path forward. And the same thing with Elijah a little bit. You know, they're two totally different personalities. But for the most part, I was up front with them and I was honest. And I said, you know, guys, we got to step it up. I said, this isn't fair. So this really sucks. Life is not fair. And we have to come together, the three of us, you know, the three men in the house, um, you know, we have to figure out how to take care of everybody. I said, the girls are going to have to be taken care of. Mom needs to be taken care of. And we had some really tough conversations and they just owned up, especially Ethan. I mean, he, he did things that he should not have had, that he shouldn't have had to do. He bore responsibility for things you know, and I'm talking about chores around the house. I'm talking about watching his siblings and, and, and being on top of reminding us about school events and things like this. I mean, he really had to step into a very different role instead of just being, you know, happy-go-lucky 13-year-old at the time. But I, I am so thankful that God gave us that time in the car, driving him places, driving them both places so that we could have these encounters and really um, just connect at a level that had not had this not happened, we wouldn't have connected at that level. And I would never, ever want this to happen again, obviously. But because this did, we were able to use time that God gave us for things that benefited, I hope, them and me forever. And we've bonded, the boys and I have bonded on something that, you know, it's going to sound weird to say, but not a lot of fathers can say that. And I'm glad that they can't say that. I mean, if you get what I'm trying to say, what happened with us brought us closer because that happened to us. I don't wish this happened to anybody else, but there is something that we have that dads that didn't have to go through this with their sons, they don't, they will not have. So we have something unique that I cherish, and I, and I, you know, I hope that they do too. And um, and and the girls were just, they were, you know, I don't want to say they were just pushed to the side. Um, they were really taken care of very well by, by our family. I mean, they did a really good job, and I did everything I could for them. I, you know, I tried to, I, I, that's probably that's how I lost so much weight. I mean, we're talking from sun up to sundown and I I did not ever want to miss an opportunity to put them to bed. If they didn't get to see me at all for the entire day, I just wanted them to be put to bed by their dad or you know, get have their dad give them a bath something every single day. Not every day was perfect and, th- and you know, I'm not going to you know, mislead you and think that it was Every single day we, re- we read a story and tucked him in singing nursery rhymes. No, 
But every single day they had a, a moment with me at some level. I really tried to do that. And it really, the whole, the whole journey really kind of, it, it reprioritizes a lot of things in your life. Um, you really, I am not the same person. I mean, I am the same person, but I am not the same person. Uh, I don't fret over the things that I used to fret over. Uh, a lot of things that I thought were important before are not. I have learned how to love my wife in the way that she really needs to be loved now at this stage um it it is it is uh it is an amazing thing to be standing here now at this stage thinking about how it was getting that call and it it just doesn't it, it feels like a movie like it doesn't feel like I could have possibly even have ever gone through that and come out standing and alive but um <laughs> through the grace of God and through a lot of conversations with with friends friends that you know I will never forget and you know what I want to say about the friends that I have and that we have um they never tried to understand anything they never pretended and they know who they are they they never pretended to have any clue as to what we were going through they just listened and those are some conversations, I mean, that I'll never forget. I mean, I wasn't, you know, I was pretty unscripted. I was, I was really mad. I was really, really mad um, at, at everything. I went through periods of being mad at God. I went through periods of just uh, really not understanding, like, how can this happen? I mean, you name it. Don't think for a second I spent every single night in prayer on my knees, just, you know, worshiping the holy you know, the holiness that, that God has bestowed upon me. No, no. There was a lot of angry drives at 2 a.m. screaming out the window, what is going on? Um, that's what happens. That's what cancer does. That's what a cancer diagnosis does. It sends you into a whirlwind. And, but you know what? I never, I always went back to him and I never quit. I never quit. I knew this wasn't the end. I knew that no matter what, I was going to be the best husband that I could possibly be, the best caregiver, and the best father. I knew that my responsibility here on earth was much more than just bringing home the bacon. I knew that it was much more than just getting the grass cut. I knew that this was a responsibility that I have now that I am going to own, and that I am going to look to him for guidance. And that really, uh, that, that's, that's sort of the sporadic journey for me in a nutshell, what, and what it means to be a caregiver. And I don't think you ever stop. I don't think that you ever, you, you know, it's not like when, you know, the Sarah rings the bell or the, the one year anniversary comes up or something that, oh, you're not the caregiver anymore. No, there is a, an emotional impact on her that, is going that I don't know I don't know how long that lasts I don't I don't really know what that entails for the future but it is that piece doesn't just go away with the last surgery so the caregiving is not over just because you go back to work or just because you know things appear normal it's it evolves into a different type right it's not so much 
hands-on, you know, shuffling kids from here to there, paying the bills, doing this. It's not so much that. It's more of a sort of, you know, I'm the papa bear. Yeah, I'm making, your whole outlook kind of changes into a permanent kind of um, protector slash, you know, listener. It really teaches you how to be the probably the husband that she wishes I was when we first got married. That's for sure. But hey, better late than never, right? So that never ends. So I, I, I still f- think of myself as a caregiver I, at, for this family, for her, because I do have this unique lens that I've been able to uh, develop through seeing how she has gone through this and what it actually means to go through cancer and and see the, the physical destruction that chemo causes and all of these things, that changes you forever. That That is something that you just don't forget. And you don't ever look at things the same way. You don't ever look at your wife and take for granted anything, you know, not that I did before or, you know, you know but you get what I'm saying. You don't take for granted the things that, that God gave you when he when he blessed me with Sarah, when he blessed me with these kids. Because um, in the blink of an eye, that can be taken away. And that is my journey. Um, and I, I do just want to say to those that are listening, I, I, I want to name you guys so badly, but I don't because I want to be cautious about that. Um, thank you guys. My friends, my friends that got me through this, and you know who you are, um, you guys will forever be on my short list of Christmas cards, <laughs> and um, that is the biggest piece of this, is community, and being a caregiver, you know, I hope I was a good one, um, that wasn't just because I was a good caregiver, that was because we have a good God, and that was because I had a great support system helping me uh, do everything that I needed to do and be who I needed to be for my wife and my family. What a perspective. Well, there you have it. It's uh, the story from both of our lenses. And really, cancer affects the whole family. So a lot of times we hear the survivor's stories, but we don't hear uh stories from the caregiver's perspective and it rocks everyone's world who's involved and who's close to the person who was diagnosed um the kids are changed um they have had to go through something that no kids should have to go through at their age well anyone should ever have to go through um at any age but they're whole worlds were flipped upside down to and they are four different people who process things in four different ways and we're dealing with um the effects of that with all of them too um andrew about summed up how grateful we are family and friends because we could have never done this without such an incredible support system to save the best for last i wish that i could just thank everyone um here that has made such an impact and difference in our life throughout this time my rock husband, my mom, my sisters, my brothers, my aunt, my Oma, who never for a second stopped praying, our church family, our friends who didn't leave our side, and the GoFundMe that helped so much when um, insurance wouldn't cover everything. 
my dear sweet friends you all know who you are you carried me through all the meals um you guys are chefs we ate so good for real and uh that just helped out tremendously so we really thank thank you all for that and the rides for the kids i can't even mention everything that everyone did because of the amount of time that it would take up of course my doctors who saved my life and while they saved my physical life y'all saved my emotional life for real I would not be standing here were it not for um, all the support that we have done. This is not something that you can do on your own. We were never meant to shoulder a burden this heavy. Um, and it, it could not, we could not have done it alone. We could not have done it without all of you. Um, and I know that Andy shared from the caregiver point of view, and I can't speak on that really because that wasn't my role, um, but from the patient's perspective, I do just want to say that if you are going through breast cancer right now, wherever you are on your journey, if you're just recently diagnosed or if you're in the middle of treatment, um, just know that you are not alone. If I can do this, you can do this too. I will forever be so grateful to survivors who reached out to me while I was on that part of the path. On your worst day, know that there will be a better day. Is it tough? Heck yes. It's so tough. Um, it might be the toughest thing you've ever faced, but you are tougher. You might not feel like it, but you are. When people root you on from the sidelines, sidelines and they say they say things like, keep fighting you're so strong beat this thing um i would think what in the world are they talking about i you might be thinking that too because it's like i'm not in a boxing ring over here with my hands wrapped right now i'm hovering over a toilet puking my brains out or i have never felt weaker in my life or i'm experiencing things like bone pain and I know what my blood counts are constantly and um, I literally have no idea or control over whether or not I'll quote unquote beat this thing because that's completely out of our hands and you never really know that feeling of helplessness until you're in this situation um, if that chemo doesn't work with triple negative what are you going to do you know what I'm saying that's out of our control and uh that's that was in God's hands and I had to leave it there and I had to give it to him and I trust him with everything and I still do like we ended the last episode with that I mean that's completely 100% true but I know how that feels because I was there so just in those times please know that you will get through this um, Dr. Martin Luther King I want to share a quote um, we've heard it before but I just want to share it it says take he said this take the first step of faith take the first step in faith you don't have to see the whole staircase you just have to take the first step it's tr it truly is just one day at a time one step at a time and some days it's like a minute at a time a minute at a time an hour at a time and you have to make it through and at the end of the day you have to say okay i made it through another day um, so I just want to wrap up this episode with this. Wherever you are in your journey, keep hanging on and don't give up. You can do this. Um, I would just give it to Jesus and I would, tr I would just trust 
in him and I knew that he was with me. God never left my side for a second. Um, when I was in those dark, deepest, darkest moments in my head or just physically, like over the toilet puking my brains out, he was there with me. Jesus was right next to me. In the hospital, Jesus was right there. Um, and if you don't feel that or if you don't know that, just ask him. Say, where are you, God? Where are you in all of this? And he'll say, I'm right here. I'm right next to you. We want to thank you all so much for your support. We've been asked how to subscribe. Yeah. So we are still so super new at this, and we still don't quite yet know what we're doing. Um, but I know that some of the platforms like Spotify and iTunes have a subscribe button. So click on that if you're interested in subscribing. And if you're enjoying our podcast and like listening, we want to ask you to please rate us on iTunes. Also, like our brand new Facebook page, and then please send us a message and let us know um, a topic that you'd like us to discuss. Even if it's not a topic, um, or if you have any questions for us, whether it be about um, our breast cancer journey that we shared a little bit about today, or anything really, um, we would love to try to answer them. So... Whether it's a topic, question, just your thoughts on, or, you know, on anything, um, or any other comments, really, that you'd like to share with us, bring it. We want to hear from you. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys. Um, So message us those, and we look forward to hearing from you. Thank you again so much to you all. Till next time. Till next time.